Hello and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where me and my co-hosts explore monsters throughout media. Uh, today, I am joined by my two con uh, con my two con hosts, my two <laughs> my two fake hosts. Um, one of which you've 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 heard already, Cameron. How are you doing this fine night, morning, morn night? <laughs> this 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 evening. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, my other co-host, Dave. How are you doing this uh, good morning? Yes, doing pretty great. It's it's bright outside, so it must be the morning time <laughs> here. <clears throat> And uh, this episode, we will be returning to uh, good old, uh, friendly, fun, safe and sanitary Hammer Horror uh, uh, (laughs) by uh, reviewing uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. And Cameron, you, you, you divergent, you little (laughs) something, watched a completely different film. Which film was that? Uh, it was the Blood Beast Terror, also known as uh, the Vampire Beast Craves Blood, the Blood Beast from Hell, or Death's Head Vampire. <laughs> uh, they're trying to sell it very differently in different areas. Clearly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's that one's. Te- <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that yeah. one's not technically a Hammer film, but but uh, it's the same era, and yeah. it feels very much like a Hammer Hammer film with slightly less budget. I yes. think is my overall review. <laughs> <laughs> is that was that uh is that Turin Films? I'm trying to remember. Um I think it's something similar to that. That production it company is Tygon. Uh, Tygon, yes. Tygon. They're um yeah. they're I think in these 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 days. Um they're constantly confused, I think, with Hammer because they put out lower budget versions of the yeah. same kind of thing. <laughs> so that's that's to yeah. probably yeah their credit that they're put into the same um, category as the Hammer Productions. (laughs) And they they have a lot of the same cast members. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Both of their films star Peter Cushing, which is our callback to the last lot of Hammer Horror films. It's really just Peter Cushing hour, but um, yeah, we're we're dressing it up a little bit. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me. But before we get to that, it's time for our episode, uh, our our big episode tradition of uh, looking at what uh, different name we can find a uh, flaming ghost light in the sky uh, from Japan <laughs> by uh, by examining our yokai of the week, and as always, uh, Dave, will you? Please roll them. Sorry, that was heavy. Twenty-eight. Um, we were doing R and S because there are no P's in the yokai. There is no P in the yokai. P is not stored in the yokai. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. that is, that is, 
there's probably a yokai for that actually um yep <laughs> so we got the uh the shoujo probably shoujo. not pronouncing these shoujo yep. yeah goodbye shoujo sorry i've been on a jojo's kick over the last two days um, <laughs> shoujo's bizarre adventure <laughs> oh god that I mean, that is technically part of that. That yeah, happens think... in Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Um, so the joke here being the shojo is a word for orangutan <laughs> as well. And that there's an orangutan in JoJo's. Okay, uh, hell yeah, we're playing the joke. Yeah, we don't talk about the orangutan according to um <laughs> the JoJo's podcast I listen to. <laughs> They're probably for the best. Um. So anyway. <laughs> This the shoujo, uh, heavy drinker or orangutan, being the translation depending on the kanji used, is a Japanese sea spirit with red with a red face and hair and a fondness for alcohol. Uh, it is the subject of a no play of the same name. Uh, there is a no mask for the character and kabuki stage makeup that also bear the name. Uh, the Chinese characters are also a Japanese and Chinese word for orangutan and can also be used to refer to someone who is particularly fond of alcohol. Uh, and there is a beautiful little Edo period painting of a shoujo in a giant cup of sake paddling across a giant lake of sake. So yep. <laughs> I, I, I like the flavor here, if nothing else. Uh, so supposedly the <laughs> Chinese origins of this myth was the Sheng Sheng or Xing Xing uh, from Chinese mythology mentioned in the Shanghai Jing uh, Someone by the name of Birrell translated the creature's name as Live Lively, uh, saying, There is an animal on the mountain which looks like a long-tailed ape, but it has white ears. It crouches as it moves along, and it runs like a human. Its name is Live Lively. If you eat it, you'll be a good runner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Sure. Um... Drift Forest is 300 leagues square. It lies east of the land of the Live Lively Apes. The Live Lively Apes know the names of humans. These animals are like hogs, but they have a human face. (laughs) 30 to 50 wild shoujos. And there is a green animal with a human face. Its name is Live Lively. (laughs) This is a very varied description of... (laughs) Oh man! Did did they just find a portal to like a Doctor Seuss universe, and it was just Um, yeah, yeah. Even thirty fifty watch shows. Yes, Uh, yes, it is definitely the Doctor Seuss universe. Um, There is a suggestion that Birrell may have uh, translated the word "green." uh, I'm not so hot on the Chinese, uh, but it as green, but it could also refer to blue. Uh, and because it's the green, same blue distinguishment in language, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just yeah, yeah, and uh, lots of other depictions of the Jingjing from based on those same passages give it blue fur. Um, let's see, is anything else interesting here? Oh, god, <laughs> live lively, it's a type of ape reflecting uh, Shang Shang as the double, it's this the word live lively is how he translated it. Uh, how Ye Sing notes that its lips taste delicious. <laughs> oh man, this is this is this is a really this is a really now yes. now now I'm now I'm stuck 
thinking yeah. that that in like <laughs> ancient Japan, China, that there was just a portal to a Dr. Seuss universe and they were just like hunting Seusskins. They're like <laughs> and eating them. Absolutely yeah. delicious. You eat the green one, run faster. Green lips and ham. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Uh, a 4th century AD text also gives evidence of their mental powers and their knowledge of human names. Uh, in the Yunnan region, the live lively animals live in the mountain valleys. When they see wine and sandals left out, they know exactly who set this trap for them. And what is more... <laughs> God, and what is more, they know the name of that person's ancestor. They call the name of the person who set the trap and curse them. Vile rotter, you hoped to trap me. <laughs> oh my fucking God. <laughs> uh. So I feel the most important information here is the traditional hunt way to hunt these Zeusian creatures is to put out a pair of sandals and a bottle of wine. <laughs> just wait. Are they, they going to wear this? I don't understand where this... What's the sandals going to do? I guess it's, it's the temptation. They, they're like, oh, some wine, just, some sandals. I'll strap well, they, these yes. on. And, and then they can't run as fast because they're not... Because <laughs> they're wearing like, flip-flops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta put my sandals on to slip, sip, sip my rosé. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, so this is uh, this is one area where cryptozoologists really let the ball drop because the universal agreement seems to be there that it was just an orangutan on mainland China. Yeah. <laughs> when clearly, yeah. clearly, there's a portal to Doctor Seussman. Yep. <laughs> Oh my God, Leonard! Would you like to? Would you like to read the first bit for the nature folklore popular culture? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Audience, in a tale involving shoujo and white sake, because of course, um, I'm sorry, sake. Uh, sake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there was a gravely sick man whose dying wish was to drink sake. Off to a great start. Yeah. Uh, his uh, his son searched for searched for it. C- couldn't <laughs> buy it. Searched no. mm. um, <laughs> like yeah, like Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, searched <laughs> for it um, near Mount Fuji and came across the Red Shoujo, who was having a drinking party as you do on the beach as sandals. I love. Yeah, yes. there we you go. Know. I love, I love this. I love this yokai. <laughs> um, the uh, shoujo gave him some sake after listening to his plea, uh, and, and and since the sake revived the dying father, uh, the son went back to the spirit to get more sake for each day for five days. Um, a greedy neighbor. No, the neighbor's greedy, not the guy yeah. that asked asked for it for five days consecutively. A greedy neighbor who also wanted the sake became sick after drinking it. Um, he forced the son to take him to the shoujo to get the good sake. Um, the good stuff. Yeah. 
the shoujo explained that his heart wasn't pure. The sacred sake would not have life-restoring benefits, but instead had poisoned the neighbor. Uh, the neighbor re- repented, and the shoujo gave him some medicine to cure him. The father and the neighbor then brewed white sake together. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest, most roundabout morality story I've ever heard. Because the point <laughs> is, <laughs> oh god, it's so good. Um, then they name things after they name red things in nature. Shoto means red slash orangutan slash drunk. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, slash yeah. Jackie Chan's best film yeah. slash yeah. exactly. Um, I like so, the last name, <laughs> last yeah. name in that sentence. Oh man! Uh, so there's there's a no play uh, shoujo or <clears throat> alternatively known as shoujo midare, uh, featuring a shoujo buying sake, getting drunk, and dancing ecstatically, uh, then rewarding the sake seller by making a sake vat perpetually refill itself. Uh, so that's that's the not play. Uh, <laughs> the shoujo from the play were popular enough to be made into wooden dolls, being some of the most common wooden dolls derived from no plays. Uh, they are used to ward against smallpox. Gonna hmm. say ineffective. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, also, can we just talk about talk? Just take a second to mm. talk about. Oh, your sake was really good. Now you never have to make sake again. I yeah. could have just done this for myself, but I wanted to see <laughs> if you were worthy of the infinite sake trick. Oh man, these these things are great. Um, okay. oh, it, I'm mm. I'm sorry. Just one 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 quick yeah, thing. Yeah, no, please. I, wa- please. I now I now really want a mobile game based on like. Edo period like um yokai and one yeah. of them and just like a farmville but you're like oh you got mm. sake the shoujo liked your sake now your sake that's just <laughs> never you fill just <laughs> random events of like oh, oh hey all the grinding part of this game's just been removed because <laughs> my tablecloth's alive uh <laughs> sure why not yeah, I played this game for 30 years, and so my sweeping broom came to life, so I no longer have to sweep yeah. in the game, which is nice. Um, God. Uh, the shoujo pops up throughout various media pieces, uh, including crossover episode. It's Monster of the Week. Uh, it shows up in Supernatural. They have to fight a shoujo in Supernatural. Um, I, looked, I looked this up. The, uh, the main difference is in that episode, you apparently have to be drunk to see the shoujo. Uh, which I'm sure was hilarious. I don't think I ever got to season seven of Supernatural. <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, do you have more elucidation upon this wonderful, glorious spiritual? We aid? do. We have found an entry in the Night Parade of One Hundred Demons, a field guide to Japanese yokai, which we always use. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Shoujo <laughs> translation: none. <laughs> based on the Chinese name for the same creature. Habitat, coasts, islands, and shallow waters found throughout Japan. Diet, omnivorous, extremely fond of sake. A- appearance. <laughs> Along the mountainous coasts of Japan lives a race of intelligent sea spirits known as shoujo. They look like man-sized apes with long, shaggy red hair. 
Their faces are also reddish and blushed as if drunk. Shoujo are bipedal like humans and occasionally wear clothes or skirts made of seaweed. Behavior. Shoujo spend their, spend, spend. They spend their lives drinking large quantities of alcohol and playing in the sea and sand of secluded beaches. They revel in wow. drunken silliness, singing, dancing, and enjoying life. Despite their silly appearance and demeanor, they are said to be wise. Extremely fond of sake and other types of alcohol, they are excellent brewers themselves and can distill a powerful brine wine from seawater. That doesn't sound good. Um, The taste of the wine varies depending on the imbiber. If he is a good person, the wine will be delicious. However, if he is a wicked person, it will taste like a foul poison. The wine may even kill him if he does not change his evil ways. Interactions. Hmm. Shoujo can understand human languages and even parrot a number of words. I can guess what some of those words are. They are curious and gentle towards friendly humans, generally peaceful. Shoujo keep to themselves, referring to, no, sorry, preferring to remain apart from the world of mankind. Every time I'm saying this word, I'm thinking of girls. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) luckily it's a different kanji. Um, Occasionally, there have been stories of groups of shoujo... (laughs) Harassing sailors and ships which strain too close to their homes. <laughs> hey, you. Oi. Get off my beach. <laughs> no, that's old Greg. It's different. Yeah, that's fair. Although he looks similar. Mm. And he has Bailey, so maybe he is a shoujo. Maybe he is a shoujo. He's been displaced to the UK. Um, <laughs> these stories are rarely violent. Usually the shoujo flee in the, into the water after stealing a few barrels of sake. <clears throat> Origin. The name Shoujo is the Japanese version of the Chinese name for these ape-like spirits, Xingxing. Uh, the name cons- connotes liveliness, a fitting match for the personality of this creature. Due to the orangutan's physical resemblance to this yokai, the name Shoujo is applied to that species of great ape in both China, no, both Japan and China. Additionally, Shoujo can refer to a person who is a heavy drinker. A famous artist and yokai painter, Kawanabe Kyosai, jokingly referred to himself as Shoujo in this way. And then there's a little picture of them drinking on the beach. With their little seaweed skirts. (laughs) No, that's cute. (laughs) It's a good picture. Yeah, yeah. Man, I I absolutely adore this yokai. (laughs) I like the... There's a... um, We'll, of course, link to the uh, Wikipedia article, but there is a mm. woodblock print. It's the second one from the Wakan mm. Sansai Zue. And that's, it's great. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big fan of the, of the, of the third picture um, because it just looks like uh, uh, Jermaine Clement as, as a, <laughs> as a shoujo. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see it. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, uh, I'm just like, I want this bit. I want this bit now. Mm, I'm yeah. like, you, you are a giant. You are a giant, gaudy singing crab. You can be a, you can be a shoujo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the vampire uh, shoujo. Oh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man oh we 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 should actually um hey sorry audience we're gonna we're gonna bring you in on a, on a little inside shop but we should really do uh 
Garth Marenghi's dark place at some point for the, the, the show. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I think that's the end of Yokai of the Week. It's been a good one. It has. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a ghost fireball in the sky for one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or power walking monk ghost. Or, or power walking ghost, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. oh, this was good. Um, okay. I think we're all awake now. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and moving on and away from uh, drunken yokai and mass revelry and poison sake uh, we are moving on to something decidedly different Uh, Mm -hmm. once again uh, uh, hammer or hammer adjacent horror is the the, (laughs) the, um, uh, order of the day uh, <laughs> hammer, so, hammer light. Yes, hammer light. <laughs> uh, so, Dave, I'm going to defer to you. How do you want to handle the uh, the two films that we uh, we all collectively kind of watched? Uh, <laughs> sort of for Peter. Uh, yeah, let's have Cameron go go first with yours. All right. Yep. Cool. Probably. Uh, so this bigger. is this is. Yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, I'm going to make a recommendation to anyone listening. Stop listening. Go look up The Blood Beast Terror. Give it a watch. It's only like an hour and 20-ish minutes. It's worth your time, I believe. Just just go do it because I'm about to spoil the hell out of this thing. Okay, um, I'll, I'll be back in an hour. Hang on. Uh, yeah, see, see you, Dave. See you, Leonard. Uh, no, you guys are fine. I feel both of you will still enjoy this greatly, but I'm going to ruin the twist, which is hilarious um (laughs) so from all the names i told you before you know the blood beast terror the vampire beast craves blood blood beast from hell death's head vampire it's pretty obvious what kind of movie this is there's no vampire in it is there there is no vampire in it (laughs) Um, (laughs) it is it is wonderful um (laughs) so uh a a plot synopsis is uh in 19th century england (laughs) A series of grisly murders are taking place in the countryside near London. Handsome young men are being drained of their blood out on the heath. Uh, and no one seems to be able to stop it. And these these strange objects are being found in each of the scenes. These weird, flaky, almost like fish scale looking things just scattered everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I feel I should cut to the chase here. We go through a couple of stages in this movie. The first stage, we're like, it's clearly a vampire movie. There's people being drained of blood. There's a horrible flapping monstrosity. You know, the one witness has been sent to the insane asylum. Say All he says is like, wings, wings in the dark. Oh, let me be. Uh, Really hamming it up. It was beautiful. Uh, Then we get to, oh, we could be going weirder because then then the key investigator... Peter Cushing goes, well, could it have been some sort of homicidal eagle? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No? Uh, and, and apparently it can't be that. There's no eagles here in the country. Yeah, They're say- all out in the mountains. But we are then immediately in the next scene shown an aggressive eagle being kept in one of the local houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the plot's like, yeah, it should be an aggressive eagle. 
but gentlemen, let me tell you, it is not an aggressive eagle. I'm going to put it right out here, right in the start. <laughs> the uh, the monster in this film is a were-moth. What? Oh, God damn it. Is the yeah. eagle turn- <laughs> Does the eagle turn into a moth? Because that would be great. No, uh, it is the beautiful is a beautiful young local woman who is in fact a terrible moth monstrosity by night. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and no one is it is it every night like when the sun goes down? What's the qualifications uh, it, for this? It seems to be it seems to be a controlled wear creature, as in she has full control of her transformation. Uh, so at, at one point, it's like, oh, maybe she can't control herself under the full moon. It's like, well, no, the full moon's right there, and she's fine. And she also transforms indoors. It, it seems to just be a not outside during the day is the only limitation. But yeah, no, it's a wear-moth. It is um, a, a lepidopterothrope. <laughs> is that the... <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, yeah, she, she's sucking the blood from these attractive young men. Uh, but we, we go through a lot in this film before we get to that point. <laughs> so this is just the Mothman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moth, yeah, Moth Woman. Um, so we have a lot of really great stuff here. First off, it's Peter Cushing. Fabulous as always. Um, uh, and second off, this is this is a film that I think knows that it's a low-budget Hammer knockoff. And so it actually leans really into like the slightly more the comedic side of things. And it's actually really good because of that. <laughs> like, it doesn't take itself super seriously, which I appreciate. There are, I mean, there are obviously moments and parts where it actually builds suspense really, really well. But there is also, and this this honestly hurt me as someone who studied forensics, uh, there's also the worst morgue attendant ever uh, who was introduced putting down his supper, which is a meat pie, on the slab inches from the feet of a man killed last night. And then from under the slab, he pulls out a pitcher of ice cold ale kept under the slab to keep it cold, of course. And then from between the corpse's feet, he pulls out the mug into which he pours the ale. His fork is dirty, so he rubs it on the shroud covering the corpse. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so I'm so glad that the coroner that eats while doing their job has just been a movie trope for Ever. Yeah, yeah. Since 1968 was when this was released. It was filmed in 67. It's been a trope forever. Uh, but what what makes this gold is uh, this was Roy Hudd, I believe, was his name uh, performing, who's a British com- actor and comedian, uh, and he was very Monty Python esque in his performance. And <laughs> the director clearly knew this, and because the, you know, there's this one 30 second shot where Cushing, one of the other detectives, and the morgue attendant uh this i believe smiler is his name uh talking about you know the victim's state and the entire time it's just a shot of his face as he's like oh well it's not that messy uh, there's no blood in him actually not a drop if you want messy look over that man number six over there yeah <laughs> you know, he got hit by a cab etc etc like just it's comedy gold like you know, then you know you finally cut away and you see Cushing doing serious detective work, and just in the background here, om nom nom, as he just the crunching sound as he eats a pickled onion, <laughs> like it's, it's beautiful, it's mm, delicious. <laughs> I believe, I believe, um, 
when I was when I covered when I covered Dracula on the last episode I was on, I talked about just the the guy who runs the toll booth. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> yeah. just the com the comedy of him that was in an, like an actual horror movie, like that took itself super seriously, and just this beautiful bit of light comedy. This is this amazing like extended like four or five minute scene of comedy in the middle of a, a film which already you know is fairly light and comedic overall. <laughs> Uh, although it's def- it's definitely a horror film, you know, uh, it has horrible things happening in it, but it was beautiful. I can't, I cannot describe how much I adored just that scene. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a serious detective work. We'll go see the Morgan Tent and it's like, you know, what beast could have done this? It's like, well, my Tomcat's been missing a week. And they're like, yes, thank you. You've been very helpful. We'll go. And he, he gets worried. You see the fear in his face and he runs off. after. was like, it wasn't, I was joking about the cat, please. <laughs> it's like, what, they're going to arrest your cat for draining the blood of 13 young men out on the moors? <laughs> it sure. was a very aggressive cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, very aggressive cat. Um, yeah. With, with uh, wings. Yeah, with wings. Cat with wings. Um, yeah, so so we get we get lots of good lighthearted stuff, lots of good serious stuff. Um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting things. Like, uh, it's, it's sort of centered around, I guess, a local university. It's a little iffy on what the the status of the facility actually is because it's technically the professor's house there's this man professor mallinger and his daughter uh hey guess what the villain and the wehrmoth yeah um <laughs> but like they have they put on lectures there are students that seem to always be around so i'm not sure if there's like students living in his house or if they're just there's a local nearby school that they're from, and when I say and, school, uh, when I say students, I mean like university age students. Yeah, maybe it's like a boarding yeah. house. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, Malinger. I'll have to me. watch it and see. If it... Yeah, you, you'll be able to figure out more easily than me, I think. Um, but Malinger's like an entomology professor, so he's big on bugs. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he is sent off from deepest darkest Africa for some very very specific moth chrysalids, uh, which appear to be bananas that have been painted blue and then given some texturing just by the size because of these massive places uh so he went to he went to africa to do a big lovecraft Um, yeah yeah um and we we effectively find out in the end like near the end like he has created this wehrmoth like his, his daughter was not randomly bitten or something she was an experiment bitten by a moth. in yeah, bitten by a moth. Oh god. No, like she she is an experiment. Um but she it's really interesting. We have this duality between Professor Mallinger and his daughter Claire, because Claire is the wear moth. She has this instinct, she wants to go out, she wants to, you know, find these beautiful young men and drain their blood. Uh and then Mallinger's in the background and he's also acting suspicious, and initially it seems like he needs cover this up obviously protect his daughter etc etc uh it turns out that's not 100 percent the case that they have quite a lot of tension between them because he doesn't he as her father does not approve of her going out late at night dilly dallying with all these young men uh also you know she's killing them and draining their blood which isn't great uh but he's the the tension here is actually he's having regrets over having created this awful monstrosity having created the woman uh, but he's already kind of too late because she's already persuaded him and he's already deep in the process of making a male moth person, a were-moth. Uh, moth man. 
Mothman. This is what he needs all these chrysalids for. He needs larger and larger specimens to be able to breed. I guess the idea is he bred a moth all the way up to human size and then did something to it. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, at one point we have just a human-sized cocoon webbed to a wall with these two big red eyes glaring out of it. I'm like, well, that, that's this creepy prop, I guess. <laughs> like yes no i'm making I, i'm making your mate i regret everything i yep. see now i've been wrong so i'm gonna just... make it worse <laughs> well yeah it's like no i see i have to end this this is like near the end of film but i see i have to end this and he grabs this this flask of this purple liquid and just tosses it and there's like a fireball explosion and I'm like what 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 was in that nothing does that unless it's like <laughs> fulminated mercury or something fulminated mercury white phosphorus i don't know just <laughs> Blows blows this moth chrysalis up. <laughs> it's just, it's just again some of that that some of that uh, lighter element for horror. Um, it, it's wonderful. Uh, there is there is the play within the play element. Uh, the boarding students put on a Frankenstein esque play uh, about a man attempting five corpses with electricity, uh, <laughs> which is actually not a key plot point, but it is a plot point wherein that gives Malinger the idea to use galvanism, to use electricity to try and stir this male mothman into, like, actual full life out of its cocoon. Because, uh, you know, at that point in the film, he's still not entirely going, well, I should stop this. He's just yeah. still chugging he along only, in his evil experiments. <laughs> clearly, he only partially regrets the, uh, yeah. the work. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, it, we we go through a lot of things. <laughs> Cushing Cushing goes back and forth. There's there's no clues except these weird scales. He just can't figure out what they are. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's literally about to give up. His 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 scheduled holiday is coming up. He doesn't want to go off the case because it's been all these murders. But at the same time, you know, what's it? What's he to do with his daughter? Or he can just send her off to relatives in Sussex. Uh, what's this? The uh, person you suspected, or we're beginning to suspect, has run off. Where, where's Malinger? You needed to talk to him. You know, all these people being call, killed are the young lads from the boarding school or whatever. And he's just, he's fired all his servants. He's fled. He's disappeared with his daughter. Uh, his butler's dead, uh, having been attacked by an eagle. <laughs> um, I, yep. Actually attacked by an eagle in that case, uh, because the butler earlier on was shown having a having a, a contentious relationship with the pet eagle uh, <laughs> the eagle finally got to him uh and injured him enough for <laughs> malinger to decide to just put him out of his misery i guess um <laughs> but now that malinger's fled kushner uh kusher cushing good luck kushner no no god uh cushing <laughs> finds a whole bunch of human bones in the basement of the boarding house as you goes, do oh, and goes, oh my god, it was him all along, uh, and begins the chase. Uh, and because he is an irresponsible father, takes his daughter with him. Because, <laughs> of course. As uh, you do. You, yeah, you take your daughter to hunt the person who's committed multiple homicides for reasons unknown at this point, because there's, there's no real clues. You know, someone said the word death's head before dying. The guy who went insane from seeing the creature will only speak about wings. It's all you got to go on. You're like, yeah, no, I'll take my, I'll take my young woman of a daughter. You know, she's, she's not like a kid, but I'll take her along to 
hunt down this this killer. It's totally fine. 100% great. And then, so we've had a fairly good standard horror movie up to that point. You know, Cushing's been investigating murders. There's been some suspense with, uh, I mean, at this point, we're fairly sure that Claire is the creature. Uh, because, you know, she runs off screen and then suddenly someone gets murdered. Um, and, you know, they've been discovered, they fled the area, so now it's time for the chase. Uh, and the chase turns into, well, I'm just a banker on holiday with my daughter, obviously, because it's undercover, uh, and proceeds to be like 20 minutes of rural holiday, uh, where, which is just Peter Cushing hanging around, criticizing the other guy staying at the inn for his lack of fishing skills. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's wonderful, like, He's like, yeah, I'm here on a fishing ship trip. He's like, oh, why aren't you fishing? He's like, well, I thought I'd watch you. And it's like, well, it's n- no good fishing today. Cushing looks down the bank. There's this kid pulling fish in by the ton. And he's like, well, he seems to be doing all right. <laughs> What's your excuse, effectively? <laughs> just like just this random guy just goading him, going, oh, you're just awful at everything. Like, Cushing, <laughs> you're chasing a crazed murderer. <laughs> You just got, you've got time to stand around and just talk the ear off this random guy uh, who you've met earlier today and criticize his fishing skills and just make fun of him on his holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Cushing's daughter is off having fun with uh, the son of the man he is constantly belittling. Uh, his name is William, I believe, is the son. Uh <laughs> who is a bug enthusiast. He's out there with his hunting net and his killing bottle, uh, hunting butterflies and moths throughout the fields. Um, And they actually run into Melinda's daughter, Claire, the moth woman uh, in the house, because they've managed to get to the right area by following a luggage trail, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And accidentally run into Claire outside a house, just as the, just as a young lad's about to bottle a death's head moth into his killing bottle <laughs> because uh, you know it was the 1800s you could carry around a bottle of cyanide <laughs> and like that was considered normal um yeah yeah it's totally fine very, very yeah. true very true yeah it's literally <laughs> um and you know she snaps at them and says get the hell out of here this is private property what are you doing release that moth etc etc <laughs> it's like this is a bit weird uh and then Talking later in the day to William and his daughter, Cushing uh, gets a look through the moth's wings at a microscope, having heard the name Death's Head Moth now and starting to connect the dots and sees the scales on this on this Death's Head Moth wings that the boy has so lovingly pinned to add to his collection are exactly the same, although like thousands of times smaller as the scales found all over the murder scenes. My God. <laughs> some kind of horrible moth monster. <laughs> just <laughs> wasn't an eagle at all. No, it was a horrible moth monster. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. At this point, uh, so this this is before Melinda regrets his choices and destroys the now gestating male Mothman cocoon. Um, he's tried galvanism, but it's not working. It's not making it grow enough. It needs nutrition. It needs blood uh <laughs> and so uh claire Melinda's daughter goes off is he just gonna pour the blood on the chrysalis i don't understand how he's gonna uh give it yeah to the yeah, thing. Well, yeah we'll get there uh oh, so okay. claire 
Claire comes up in a carriage as uh, Cushing's daughter is out on a walk the next day uh, and says, oh, why don't we ride together? I'm sorry I was so standoffish yesterday. You know, I just can't stand people who kill things, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the daughter agrees because she spent this whole time sort of flirting with the young man by saying, oh, yeah, you, you're bug catching. I'll come along. And every time there's a rare butterfly, she catches it and then runs away with it to release it so he can't kill it. Uh, <laughs> seems to be the extent of their relationship. Um, you know, and uh, so Claire, you know, invites her up onto the carriage and she's like, yes, yes, I'll jump up on the carriage. And then we smash cut to, to uh, Cushing's daughter, unconscious, strapped to a medical bench in the basement of the house with an IV tube taking her blood from her arm into the Christmas. <laughs> like, how did we get here? There's no explanation. There wasn't time in the movie, I guess. Um, uh, as you know, this is this is the point where Melinda seems to be really getting concerned about this whole moth monster business uh, beyond beyond you know she's you've been just, killing people. You've it's just like, kidnapped a, a, ch- a young woman to yeah, take you, her blood. Kid, kidnapped this sixteen-year-old girl mm-hmm. to take her blood. To may, have <laughs> may have crossed the line. May may have crossed the line. But uh, things get a little weirder and a little deeper because Malinger uses the power of hypnosis to cause Cushing's daughter to forget this ever happened and to also make sure she'll come back tomorrow at the same time through the same entrance so that she can give more blood. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to kill the young lady, obviously. That would be barbaric, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, okay, sure, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to hit those vampire tropes without actually having a vampire, yeah, just have, just have sure, yeah, yeah. He's just have this random anthropology professor, yeah, no, no hypnotism. I'm also and I was, a doctor I was really, of mesmerism. I was really yeah. hoping, Cameron, that you would say you would say that he he just somehow acquired a giant vat of blood and a, a uh, <laughs> um, uh, an elaborate lowering mechanism so mm. he, he could just dip the chrysalis <laughs> into it. Oh, God, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Vampire tropes. You ever seen Lady mm. Bathory? <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Um, now, I feel feel it's important at this point to touch upon uh something that i haven't really mentioned so far which is whoever directed this film knows what makes a man sexy <laughs> because <laughs> up at this old house uh out in upper Hyam where they're hiding out there is a young gardener named clem and this lad oh he works hard trimming the garden he's there with his sleeves rolled up to show off those well-muscled well-haired forearms he's introduced with his shirt open near to the navel like this v-cut work shirt in the 1800s this v-cut work shirt showing off all his chest like gleaming in the sun as he works out in the garden I'm like wow they're really they're really selling this this guy and then he turns around he's the handsome dude i've ever seen i'm like okay sure <laughs> sure and then there's like oh wait no he's gonna die of course, <laughs> like this movie at several points, like look at this handsome young man and like, okay, yeah, this handsome young guy. And then five minutes later, he's murdered by the Wehrmacht and this continues throughout the film. Uh, like the, the director played it up. I feel like it's almost a commentary on the vampire movies of the time where you have 
this predatory man and these very attractive young female leads all the time. And instead, you now have this predatory woman and they, they've got all these young hot men going about their lives until they're murdered by the werewolf. Like it, as I said, this, this, this plays on the horror comedy line a lot. And I feel like it's really pushing to the tropes of the era really well. Um, because yeah, the the director wants you to want this guy, uh, and he sticks around for a fair bit until he's murdered by a wehmoth, uh, as you do. Yeah, it's just it's it's rough. It's rough times. Um, but eventually, all the things come to a head. You know, uh, Malinger has been slain by his wehmoth daughter in retaliation for exploding the mate he was creating for her. Um, Cushing has finally found the place along with. Uh, a sergeant due to the body of the young gardener which washed up in the river which the man who's bad at fishing caught is the biggest thing he ever caught it was a man (laughs) (laughs) yeah full circle full circle there was a point to peter cushing belittling that guy for 15 minutes earlier (laughs) um uh and of course cushing's daughter hypnotized has also returned to this house to come full circle uh she finds the body she screams grabs a lantern runs <laughs> runs for her life falls down the lantern crashes fire fire everywhere uh and then this this classic plot trope of the house burns down leaving no evidence of the monster is also immediately thrown out the window as cushing arrives grabs his daughter gets the sergeant to immediately put out the fire it was on just rock the rug and get rid of the rug um <laughs> and and but what's that Flapping in the air. Oh God, no! It's a wehmoth. I just can't at that point of the movie. It was amazing because how do you kill a wehmoth, uh, gentlemen? Leonard, Dave, what would be your best guess? What is the easiest, most effective way to deal with a, a person who turns into a moth at night to murder the innocent, drain their blood? Um, a flimsy broom. Good guess, Dave. Do you have any guesses? I'm probably just going to shoot it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, Dave, you're kind of correct. They go with shooting at it first. It's super dark, though. It's late at night. Bang, bang, bang. You'll never hit it. Damn it, give me the lantern, says Cushing. Grabs the lantern and just breaks it open over a pile of leaf litter. The gardener was killed. Could clear up, so it's the moth's fault. Um, And this pile of leaf litter goes up as a big bonfire, and I would say, like a moth onto a flame, the wehmoth just flies into that motherfucker. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was anticlimactic. Yeah, that's what I, that's literally what I said out loud while watching is like, you'll never hit it. Creates a three foot tall bonfire while the wehmoth is hovering like 30 feet in the air or whatever. And then just immediately flies down into the fire. Like, on one hand, good joke. On the other hand, <laughs> definitely anticlimactic <laughs> yeah i was i was hoping that the that the eagle would come back and the, oh. the eagle would fly in and there would be a wear moth on uh killer eagle air fight oh my god i kind of want to remake the movie with that probably didn't have the budget for that can we get a modern reboot of the blood beast terror <laughs> just with that scene added in <laughs> um yeah, and that, that's the end of the movie. The end of the movie. Well, uh, well, detective, says the sergeant talking to Cushing. 
I don't think we'll be able to convince the Yard about any of this. And because she's a, I don't think we'll be able to convince any of anyone of any of this. And they just look down at the bonfire with now the burned, charred corpse of a young woman. <laughs> like yep. that's where the movie that's where the movie ends. It just cuts off there after the credits. It's like, yeah, no, um, Cushing Cushing is gonna lose his job because the evidence all points to he tracked down this young woman and threw her in a fire. <laughs> and it just it's it's a really fun movie. Um, <laughs> It's really, really good. It's really, really good in like that low budget fun horror way. Uh, and when I say low budget, I mean exceedingly low budget. Uh, someone said it was the Mothman earlier. It was one of you two. And uh, yeah, the costume is literally like a furry full body outfit with the big red eyes and a couple of antenna on top and like nice. gloves, gloves with talons and a couple of fold out wings behind it. You barely see it anyway. Uh, but the best part is the transformation sequence, which is the transparent image of the Wehrmoth overlays the image of the actress, and then the image of the actress turns transparent and is whisked away a couple of frames later. Yep. <laughs> because that's all they could afford. Um, like, like they like they literally brought an Animorphs cover to life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no merging. Without, without no the transition, it's just... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just they 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 clearly just put the clear plate of the monster on top, pulled out the plate with the actress. <laughs> just, it, it's they don't show the monster a lot for a reason because <laughs> it's 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 just a person looking up, ah, ah, crouching down <laughs> near the ground in a black furred suit with big red pasted things where the eyes should be. It's like a spider. It's a Spider Man suit. It's the black suit with red eyes. There you go. <laughs> That's what the that's the entirety of the monster's design. It's wonderful. Um, I mean, I mean, I feel I feel the, the the chrysalis that never came to fruition was actually fairly well designed. Like it looked really realistic in like terms of it being a big blue gray silk thing in roughly the shape of a person. You could see the eyes, so it's kind of creepy. Like I really liked that. <laughs> the monster itself was terrible. <laughs> I love it. It was great um yeah i guess now i've got to look up the rest of tygon's productions because <laughs> if I, i'm sure they're not all to this like enjoyable quality but feel there should be something else there i can get out of it as well i mean they might you know, be, I, that might be their shtick yeah it could be their shtick and i kind of hope it is because i i gotta go watch it now <laughs> like, like i said this, this is just enjoyable it it didn't ever really scare me. Uh, it was unlikely. It was such an old film to start with. <laughs> it's not really the era of scares compared to modern day horror, but it kept me interested the whole time. I laughed a lot. I had fun, <laughs> which is a pretty good review for any of the movies we cover, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, so enough about me. Tell me about Frankenstein and how he must be destroyed. He, he certainly must be destroyed. He's a horrible person. Um, <laughs> uh, Leonard, what was the general plot for this? Uh, the general plot is that uh, our Frankenstein, uh, hey, for once, it is not Frankenstein's monster. It is actually Dr. Frankenstein, who is a big old piece of garbage. Uh, 
uh, uh, Baron Frankenstein, uh, mm-hmm. who is run out of everywhere that he uh, seems to live because he's super into brain transplants um, <laughs> uh, and murder, br- yeah. brain brain transplants, murders, and being really glib about it all the time. Um, he uh, uh, is um, uh, run out of a city after uh, he he murders a doctor with a sickle within the first, like, two minutes of this movie. Guy wow. just walks up to his door and just lops off his head um, and puts it in a hat box because, of course... Uh, mm-hmm. He returns to his secret lab in an abandoned mansion, as you do, and uh, is is startled by a burglar who was trying to break into the abandoned mansion to steal question mark. Um, uh, the uh, there is a fantastic fight. A frozen body gets knocked over in a uh, in a Mister Freeze glass container. Gets knocked mm-hmm. over. Um, uh, Frankenstein reveals himself, uh, and he's wearing a really fantastic mask with a potmarked face. Uh, but surprise, it isn't. It is very young, handsome Peter Cushing um, with his with his 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 uh, sunken eyes and 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 pursed lips. And he's like, "Ah, oh, crap." Uh, that guy saw that I had these bodies and this medical equipment and, oh, and this head uh, because <laughs> the hat box gets knocked over during the fight. So he conveniently uh, opens his um, uh, body disposal trap door, which is like a two-ton piece of stone uh, in mm-hmm, the floor mm-hmm. uh, and and proceeds to dump the bodies and the head down there and abandon the rest and uh, flees to another city, and that is the start of our movie and what kind of Frankenstein we're dealing with. <laughs> um, wow. Yep, it's he's also, pretty fantastic. He's also, like, crazy strong for yeah. P- Peter yeah. Cushing-sized person. Y- y- yes. Mm. He, 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 he thoroughly, uh, <laughs> like, almost murders this 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 scally um um thief that that uh um broke into his laboratory the thief runs off and runs in and is running down the street and it's always one of my favorite things when when the police in in films accost somebody just for running uh, mm. because there's just a a police officer looking at a storefront and the thief, which I'm going to assume either the reason he was stopped is because he's known or because there's... I think it's no because way. it's at nighttime and nobody oh, okay. should be out in the city. <laughs> or running. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, belief is like, you're covered in blood. It takes him to the inspector, um, who is my favorite character. Well, one of my... Almost all of the characters in this movie are my favorite characters um, <laughs> because they're all great. Um, I forget what the uh, ah is it uh, Inspector uh, Frisch? Yes, Inspector Frisch, who is the most Britishy British, like <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, character. Uh, he literally does that in his introductory scene. He's, they, I know he says words, 
but it <laughs> just sounds like <laughs> um, and he's also uh, a jerk but everyone he's a big movie. jerk uh he has an assistant that keeps telling him that these murders are being committed by a doctor he's like oh don't tell me about a doctor i know what i know <laughs> uh, and is constantly constantly uh doing pinches of snuff um he's fantastic uh, and and a complete jerk uh anyway frankenstein uh flees the city uh goes to another city um and and um rents a room in a boarding house uh, which is run by see anna spangler no relation to uh egon um <laughs> I'm assuming, well, no, actually, based on the events of this movie, definitely no relation. Uh, uh, and he's, she's like, oh, I've got four rooms. And he's like, I'll take any of them. I just need someone to stay. I'm not suspicious at all. Um, uh, Anna's fiance, boyfriend, Bo, uh, uh, Carl, Dr. Carl, Hoist, uh, Holst, uh, works at the insane asylum. Uh, we get a really great cut of Anna saying like, oh, yes, the boarding house is so quiet. N nothing will ever disturb you. Smash cut to woman screaming bloody murder because um, she's in an insane asylum and apparently sees spiders all the time. Uh, Carl sedates her and there's a little back and forth with uh, the principal. That was his title, right? Uh, yeah, he's like the director of the um but, but they call him asylum. the principal and I'm like, ah, the insane asylum principal. That's a <laughs> that's a rough principal. Uh anyway, there is a uh Dr. Brent, I believe. Uh Dr. Frederick Brent who uh was doing some dank brain nonsense before it drove him <laughs> crazy. Um and uh, it is suspected that uh, 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 he was a collaborator uh, with uh, Baron Frankenstein. Um, Carl is 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 a good lad, but he does have one vice. Uh, Anna's mother is really sick, uh, and it's 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 Victorian time, so uh, sickness and healthcare means uh, you are uh, bound to be destitute at any moment. Uh, but he loves Anna. So he simply uh, stills cocaine from the, 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 the asylum drug dispensary, uh, cooks the books a little on it, and then sells it on the black market. Uh, but he's also an imbecile who will just drop a packet of cocaine on the doorstep of his girlfriend's house because he took his jacket off. Um, oh. Yep. <laughs> um uh, he and Anna uh, uh, are then accosted by Dr. Frankenstein, who then proceeds to blackmail them with like, ha ha, look at all this cocaine I just found. <laughs> um, and uh, makes Anna kick out all of the other tenants in her boarding house, who um, are rightfully very upset. Um and then uh, set up a lab in the basement so he can uh, begin his new round of let me hot potato some brain. 
uh, Dave, do you want to <laughs> you want to take it from here? Sure. So Frank, the reason why he's doing this is he he had in fact worked with um, Dr. Brandt previously, and Dr. Brandt has a specific formula um, or a method, I think, that uh, Frankenstein needs. Doesn't he doesn't have the notes on it? Um, but unfortunately. Uh, as we mentioned, Dr. Brenton has gone insane, so he cannot get the formula from him directly. So his idea is to test out a new brain transplant um, method that he has come up with, where he will get a suitable body, transfer Dr. Brent's brain into the healthy body, resuscitate him, uh, fix what has ailed his brain and then once brent dr brent has been restored he will get the information from him he's basically just using the brain transplant as a um well he wants to do it anyway but uh (laughs) (laughs) he just wants to do it and he sees a test subject and this benefits him because he will then be able to get the formula from uh the now frankenstein monster brant um and then I think they have, it's another doctor. Um, I don't remember what the doctor, anyway, it's, it's another doctor that, uh, oh, Richter. It's Dr. Richter, I believe, um, who is killed for his body. Body. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's some like little bit of melodrama with, uh, Richter's wife. Um, no, it's with Brant's Brant's wife, who kept visiting the asylum, and they kept kicking her out um, because the the excuse was that um, the asylum doctors said that, uh, or they have they have Brant like doped up, and um, they're like, oh, he he keeps saying he wants to accost his wife, so we can't let her in. Or they're telling her this. They can't let you in to visit him um, when he's not sedated, like utterly. So that's been like an issue. So she's she's kind of just like trying to look after her husband, and then he goes missing because, of course, uh, Carl and the good uh, Baron kidnap um, <laughs> Brant from the asylum in a in a, in a great uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid esque. Um, scene <laughs> yep and it, and it goes about as well as uh, any metal gear solid sneaking mission yeah it, it it doesn't work super well mostly because uh, it, they it would have worked better but they they kind of ticked off the lady that hit spiders and she's screaming um even after um they successfully well i guess frankenstein used his monstrous strength to knock out the um the car <laughs> He Grandma of Tarkin punches this this doughy guy in the in the stomach so hard that he knocks his, <laughs> knocks him unconscious and also gives him a heart attack. Uh, this is a thing that happens in the movie. These are important plot points that inform the rest of the film. Yes. I, I want you to picture that, Cameron, because yeah, that is exactly yeah. what happens. <laughs> he just sucker punched him hard. It was great, beautiful. he's like he's so strong in this movie it's so (laughs) weird um yeah so they they do the successful uh or i guess the the transplant goes off off successfully sort of 
justifiably uh brant his new his new richter body is um uh it needs to recover from having its skulls um cut open and put a brain inside so yeah. he's given several days of uh recovery and under sedation and um the 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 carl and anna are they're accomplice to all this, but they don't, they're not willing accomplices. They definitely do not want to be there. And all they can, all they're seeing is that uh, this, this Baron Frankenstein is just kind of crazier and crazier. And the things he's doing is probably not going to end well. Um, also, he, but he sees them as utterly expendable. So yes, but he's, he Frankenstein's not manic. He is, no, no, he no. is deliberately calculating and, He's just a horrible and, person. Yes, deliberately <laughs> nefarious, constantly asking for coffee. Anna, more coffee. Co- I would like some coffee, Anna. Thank you for the coffee, Anna. Um, it's 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 a weird. It's a really kind of fantastic performance of like the fake affability when he needs to, coupled with like just like and like get rid of that body. Uh, he's also uh, he's kind of like misanthropic and then he totally molests anna and it's horrible <laughs> it's like yeah. what the heck this doesn't even need to be here why is this yeah thing? it was it was very exploitive and kind of like the worst part of the movie um actually but um hey guess what they 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 uh, they 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 took a brain out of the body and put it into another body. So what do you do with that old body that you don't need? Well, you just plant it in the ground in your back garden and just let nature go on working for there from there. Um the inspector <laughs> after has, burying it like three inches deep. Yep. The inspector has closed in on Frankenstein's uh, location because the good doctor and Carl have just been breaking into medical supply warehouses and stealing the equipment that he needs. Um, oh, and killing. Be- um, <laughs> so Carl is like, he's an unwilling accomplice, but he's murdering people in order to like do the crimes. He shanks, mm-hmm. he and- shanks a uh, security, uh, the guy that they hired, I think, for the the security at the um the medical facility but he he killed him too too well he uh yep he, he was surgical precision of the the murder this could only be a doctor <laughs> this could oh, not oh, be a doctor oh, oh, i know well, i don't know anything about it being a doctor uh don't tell me <laughs> and presume to know what i know <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe it's a doctor Yes, uh, yeah, that which great. is the running gag of the inspector penly refusing to to acknowledge that these these medical based crimes are being performed by a doctor. That is his bit, and his long suffering assistant with the very who has a an extremely long face, who's just like, I hate you, I hate you so yeah. much. Um, I think the the funniest part of that is he's 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 pretty much correct like from the beginning and has done like all the legwork and yep. then the, the the inspector is just taking all the credit without like doing any kind of acknowledgement he's like oh yep. well this actually was my <laughs> my idea <laughs> it's it's good um, um oh so yes the <laughs> burying the body shallowly in the garden yeah that doesn't come back to haunt um 
the the Baron. Uh, no. Yeah, the, a water main breaks under the house. Some pipe bursts. Uh, uh, directly <laughs> under the body. Yeah. <laughs> it really, really, it does. Uh, and only Anna's at, at the... At at the boarding house and it's great because it's it's uh uh nosy busybody neighbor who doesn't really get a name pops in to have a talk with anna uh the water main breaks and the neighbor goes to get some help and then just under at the very very bottom of the stream you see a flappy hand <laughs> being blown up by the water <laughs> waving it's it's yep. like hor- it's pretty scary actually if you you were the one to not expect her being a because she didn't know that there was a body buried there so Um, she she figured it out and then she she dug the body out she's covered in mud and just all because the thing is just spewing water like into the air like feet into the air uh she hides the body and she's just drenched and the uh, the lady comes back she's like what what happened (laughs) she's like just 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 go out just go away just go go away Just go away. And the lady gets so mad. She's like, oh, fine, see if I help you again. Yep. It was good. Um, Oh, man, this movie's great because Peter Cushing's just just a complete bitch all the time. All of the time. Just so, just mm, like, oh, everybody's so (laughs) stupid. I'm just trying to do my work. Just let me cut their heads off, please. Yeah. (laughs) Just need brains. Um, oh, and then I think there was a part way earlier in the film. Um, it's when he first gets to that new town, and uh, he's sitting in—I um, don't even know where they're at. It's not a—it's not a pub. It's oh yes, it's the common room of the oh, okay the, 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 the boarding the house before he yeah. kicks out the other tenants. Yeah, and so the, the guys are all these are three dudes sitting there and just like talking smack about um, both uh, Rick, not Victor. Um, Brant and um, Frankenstein and they're just going on and on about uh, good the, like the good procedures the doctor should follow and how these guys are just terrible and it's good that they've been like ostracized and blacklisted in all the communities and so <laughs> Frankenstein just sitting there in the corner like turnt with his back away from them just kind of eavesdropping and he just turns around and does like a five minute rant on how stupid these guys are and they're not doctors and they don't know what they're talking about um it's it, it's the same feeling i think as what happened when he was like lambasting that fisherman um yeah it's just <laughs> laying into them and then he just like walks off it was it was good good uh yep good piece of character building you realize how <laughs> ridiculous this guy is it's pretty fantastic um, I think that brings us up to when uh, the Richter creature, uh, it's just Brandon Richter's body, but. Um, oh, I, I do want to, mm. I do want to just touch on one slight thing and it's my single favorite thing in this movie and maybe in movies periods um, is, is the, the uh, Brandt's wife and best friend investigate investigation team. Uh, where uh, Brent's wife sees uh, uh, Baron Frankenstein on the street and recognizes him, but isn't sure that she recognizes him. Uh, and she's with her friend, and these two very nicely dressed Victorian women, women go to the records office 
to do some investigative work and they find a newspaper with the single best illustration I've ever seen. And it's of Dr. Brandt and Dr. Frankenstein as vultures over a pile of corpses, meaning that there is a picture, there is a caricature of, of Peter Cushing as a vulture looming over a pile of corpses. And it's my favorite thing. That's the guy. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's just like him. <laughs> yep. He's even got the wings. <laughs> an enraged um, eagle. With, yeah, you know what? Cameron, that's it. That's how we fix the mm-hmm. end of that movie. Uh, is is and then the 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 even more shocking twist is that Peter Cushing is in fact a were vulture, and then they have a were moth were vulture fight at oh the end God. of the movie. But he just that has his own amazing. face. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, no, it's, it's a low budget. It would have just been like that mask, just a mask stuck on a. <laughs> Stuck on uh, a thing with uh, some wires. Vulture. Yeah. <laughs> yes, mm. even better. <laughs> yeah, so the climactic scene. Um the Richter has regained or Brandt has regained his sanity thanks to the like a trepanning technique that um Frankenstein performed on him to release the pressure that was causing his insanity. And uh realizes he's in a freaky body that's not his own. That sort of relapses him into insanity but it's like a more aware rage or something i don't know yeah he's he's very mad he's yeah he's upset about the body thing he's not he doesn't seem to be actually be in big air quotes insane yeah no he's just anymore he's just really mad um or depressed or a combination of the 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 two uh he he goes back to his um where he flees, uh, tries to go reunite with his wife. She's not having it. She eventually understands that 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 it's her husband in this bot new body, but um, it's no good. Still doesn't. It's, it's still no, not. It's a no go. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Frankenstein has also killed Anna <clears throat> because Anna stabbed uh, Richter Brandt uh, with with a, a medical scalpel. Uh, she, she got so... scared. It was totally justifiable. Yes, uh, it was. Um, he su- oh, he super beats up Carl, which is a running theme throughout this movie of Frankenstein just abusing Carl. My favorite is when Frankenstein just pimp slaps him, like during an <laughs> yeah. argument. I think he hits him so hard it knocks him over. It literally knocks him over a couch, and he's like, "Oh!" And I'm just like, "Oh." Oh, this is so great. I love it. I love it so much. But yeah. yes, they get into a fist fight and Frankenstein beats beats this young 20-year-old doctor up yet again and takes off. But um Brant is is very um like, oh, you Frankenstein and and the research that we were totally down to do together i never thought that you would put my brain in a different body i regret these decisions so and you will rue the day frankenstein yeah, yeah basically <laughs> so he, he he sets about uh with uh uh pouring uh highly flammable liquids all over his house okay as you so do. we got to back up how many lamps does this guy own 
Oh, all of the lamps. He all of them. It's, it's got to be like lamps. 80 lamps. And they're all yeah. like the, the fancy, the fancy, yep. expensive looking ones. Uh, and all of this ready, <laughs> ready to go. All over his house. All yeah. over the place. And they weren't there before. Like they may have been in other rooms, but he has enough Consolidated lamps. Consolidated them in the to, foyer. Yes. yes. He has enough lamps to spread across his entire like in- interior of his house, which is not a small house. It's like a two-story bungalow thing with fancy rooms, study, library, that kind of thing. Uh, enough that there's like multiple doors when you're in the entryway. Yes. Staircase. Um, but yeah, he like <laughs> puts lamps everywhere. And uh, when, when, because right, he, he has the um, formula, the little secret formula thing written down. And so he knows that Frankenstein um, is going to want to come get it. And this is his trap for Frankenstein. His yep. House of lamps. <laughs> it's great. It's uh, great. So uh, Frankenstein, uh, of course, arrives. Uh, Brant lets his wife go. He, he tells her, he's like, listen, I don't want you, actually don't want you involved in any of this. I'll let you go when the time is right. You should probably go get the police when I let you go. Um, also, I'm taking, I'm taking your, uh, your uh, bureau uh, gun, which you just literally just have just in case you need to shoot somebody while sitting at your little table. Um it's fantastic. It was for um, home defense. Home defense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Frankenstein arrives and and uh, Rick DeBrandt, <laughs> uh mocks him a little uh, before turning into like a Super Mario Brothers two boss <laughs> and and just chucking lamps all over the house and setting it on fire. It's kind uh. of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um and he keeps doing like the game show thing where he's like you gotta figure out what rooms must study and he's like oh wrong answer door on fire and i'm just like wow okay this is uh this is getting getting nuts um carl uh obviously despondent over anna has also given chase um and he arrives just in time that the house is almost completely in flames. He uh, runs through the front door and is immediately shot in the shoulder by Rick Brandt, which is <laughs> really fantastic. Carl can't 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 he can't, get, he can't catch a break. break. Nope. <laughs> um, uh, Frankenstein gets the notes. Lights a, a a stack of papers on fire and 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 shoves it in Rick Brandt's face, which maybe blinds him. It's really unclear. No, I think like it's, it's has... just like a homage to the torches against. Oh yeah, uh, that's Frankenstein's right. monster because he goes oh and steps back. Yes, <laughs> uh, and and uh, the Baron tries to make his escape, but the the sad broken toy that is Carl. Still won't give it up. Um, <laughs> proceeds to to struggle with him, only to have have Rick the Brandt come out, sigh heavily, kick him off of Franken, kick kick Carl off of Frankenstein. Like I'll I'll take care of this kid. Pick Frankenstein up and then carry him screaming 
back into the uh, the house as it collapses around them. <laughs> end credits. That is the end of the movie. And then a horrible death scream from Frankenstein. Or was it? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like super. It's not even cheesy. They play it all very very straight, but it's just enough. <laughs> the, the yeah, the whole part where he's chucking the the lamps. He's just like, there's three doors, Frankenstein. He's like, you chose poorly. One yeah. door left. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> throwing the. The thing is, he's throwing them, and they're hitting like right next to Frankenstein's head when he's when he's like trying to open the door, and it just hits and splashes and bursts and burns the doors. But yeah. it's um, it's all very threatening. Like it's it's funny because it's so straightforward. I think. Yes. And he's he's up on okay. I guess to set the scene a little better, Frankenstein is on the first floor uh in the entryway and then um Brant is up on the balcony with a, like a whole bunch of lamps on the railing and he's just chucking them. It's it's yeah, great. He, he's <laughs> he's just donkey conging his entire house from from the second floor. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But um, I mean, this movie, even though there's the Brant Richter monstrosity, um, it's the same with the other films where where the Baron Frankenstein is. He's it's not even arguable. He is the monster of these yes. of these movies. Like, <laughs> and they just make it worse. Um, I think with each successive incarnation, um, the I think one thing I was thinking about the whole time was. Carl reminded me of the brother of the siblings in um, uh, Kronos. Oh, like yeah. just a far less effective <laughs> svelte blonde guy. Mm-hmm. The, he, yeah. Like he seems like he could have done his job better, but he was just getting his butt kicked like every time he tried to do anything. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I, I Frankenstein's can't tell just you. way too strong. <laughs> I can't tell you how hard I laughed when he ran, like at the end, he ran, runs through the door and the monster shoots him with a pistol. And he's like, oh no, I got shot. I got, oh, I got shot. I'm going to just sit here for a while. It's, it's, it's my favorite thing because, you know, you're anticipating like, oh, look at this, look at this hero guy. And he's just getting slapped and like coerced and like oh it it's so bad for him it's really it's really bad for carl in this movie yeah like nothing nothing ended well for him other than he didn't die yeah although i did like the scene he's um when so the police come around uh i it may have been after the the flood. They're looking for Frankenstein, and they, their leads point to, um, or I guess they're checking like all the boarding houses anywhere that Frankenstein could be staying in the city. They yes. they go to Anna's boarding house, and <laughs> the the there's the lab in the basement, so they're kind of trying to cover that up. But there's a a, a little doorway under the um, staircase, a little Harry Potter closet, but next it's super weird i don't know the geometry of this but next to the doorway is a fake doorway that goes actually into the basement so it's super weird but yeah um carl is there and the the police know him from his uh 
from his work at the asylum. They're just familiar with him. And he's, it's his day off or whatever, and he's he's painting the little, um, I don't know what they're called. It's like a little siding decora- decorations that line the, the stair railing. <clears throat> um, and he's saying he's doing, oh, I'm just doing home renovation. I'm just fixing up this place for um, Anna while I'm, or my fiance while I'm uh, off of work. And the police officers are just dogging on him the whole time. They're just like, what? He's a terrible painter, isn't he? Like, he should stick to his doctor work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as soon as the police leave, he, like, I think he has to reattach. Maybe he has to attach a handle to the, it's like it's a wallpapered over door. And then it opens yeah. up. Because it's, otherwise you can't tell that there's a door there. But uh, it's it was just super weird because they don't know how deep that closet is but the, the cops come and open the actual door that's underneath there and they're like oh nothing's here and then it's three three feet of distance like further along the staircase opens up a whole nother door it's like oh, yeah, how does just, that fit under the stairs just a basement lab yeah it was it was good that and the giant hole to the um, sewer system. You know, oh, yeah, the first that was great. Was really I, loved, I loved it so much. I loved when he picked up that that five-ton slab of rock. <laughs> it's, it's so strong. <laughs> it's, it's really ridiculous. Well, I think he lifted up, like, maybe one or two hands, the um, thief guy. He, like, definitely picked yeah, him up he off. Yeah, he did. He, he picked does. him up he off does. the floor. He lifts him off the ground. And, and slams him against the wall. He's got crazy strength uh, oh the, the, <laughs> the part where the thief <laughs> breaks the glass and that body falls on him and he goes ah! yep <laughs> only only then to immediately trip over the bloody hat boss and that yeah, head. Uh, expose the head yeah yep just and with the with the the just the most liquidy kool-aid blood sitting in there too yeah there's like some syrup there's some it's... yeah there's some great science science set direct set design in this in this movie i think the other part when they um when carl kills the like the night watchman um yeah all i could because he stabs him in the back and all i could think of was the um uh, Christopher Lee, uh, I think there's an interview where he's like, I know what it's like to stab a man in the back. Um, yeah. And it's 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 that same air escape. The guy doesn't scream, he just goes, uh, and then dies. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like way more authentic. I mean, just, just with that in mind. But uh, yeah, the, this, the whole movie is very, um, it's kind of dry. There's not really much humor. Uh, it's straightforward and it's, it's horrific on like multiple levels. Like this is a, it's not a scary horror movie, but it's a horrifying movie. I think because of how they're handling um, this plot. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, I would recommend this um, highly. Uh, to, to yeah. It's watch a good it. one. Just because the set, the set pieces are very well done. Um, all the, like, as you mentioned, like everyone has such characters to them that you, you <laughs> feel that, they although sometimes they might be like a trope of something, but it's just handled very well. The actors all pull off their roles excellently. I don't think there was a character that felt like wasted, really. Right. Every everyone had a part to play, and because of that, the movie just it moved very quickly. There's not really any boring segments. Um, there could have been maybe more with the uh, Brant Richter because that he kind of is just at the end, very end of the film. Um, yeah. But his 
it is um who is this Richter was uh Freddie Jones um was did a phenomenal job I think as the as the conflicted uh Brant like he was kind of hemming it up but it wasn't too far like, yeah it, no it didn't, it, was... it didn't feel like kitschy or anything and it was also nice that it wasn't your atypical like Frankenstein's monster. It was it was just a guy that's like, hey, what, 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 what? really, really, Frankenstein? <laughs> Why you got to do like me it, like this, Frankenstein? Like it, <laughs> like it wasn't enough that our research drove me crazy, but you actually had to like, capitalize on it at j- just so you could like you've clearly successfully mastered the brain swapping te- technique because you, you just did it. So what, what other notes can I give you on this? <laughs> that you- like, could you, could you not have just done the trepanning thing on my head and, you know, cured me? Yeah. And then I would no. know, then maybe I would have given you the formula, but no, you had to, to do this to me. <laughs> right. And well, there, there is an explanation, which is the, the, uh, the, the, the seismic punch that uh, Frankenstein gave him, which induced the heart attack, made the trepanning completely impossible in his old body. So we got to move that damaged brain into a non-damaged body and then fix him, which is literally what he says that he needs to do. Curse my monstrous strength. Yep. (laughs) If only I had a more power. Wait, no, I don't want a more power. I should have a less power body. (laughs) Transplant your own brain, Frankenstein. Yep, it's a good one. It was good. I, I'm, I'm, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I think I, I had forgotten that movies could, could, could kind of be interesting and not moment to moment from Chronos uh, because man, <laughs> oh man, like I forgot. I, I literally had a moment where i said are all are all old movies like this is this what all old movies are no just and that then, one <laughs> nope just that one uh so yes uh frankenstein must be destroyed what is is a big a big uh recommendation for me you wanna you want some some um uh, a little bit of <laughs> you want some decapitations you want you want what would be the hero character in any other other narrative constantly being slapped around uh this is the movie for you and it has peter cushing and it has peter cushing yeah, it was good. Um, and it sounds like the other film was likewise uh, amazing. So I'll have to yes. check yes. that one out. Even, <laughs> if, even if it's just for the morgue scene, because that sounds great. Um, and I repeat that the illustration, the caricature of Peter Cushing as a vulture is the best thing ever. <laughs> you yeah. should love it. Because I do. <laughs> It was good. Uh, it was good. <laughs> nope. All right. That's uh that's it, I think, right, fellas? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the cue I could hear yep. Cam- Cameron. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> the um uh per 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 the the uh bomb that Dave implanted at the base of my spine. 
that tells me to wrap it up uh, with the beeps. Uh, that has been, this has been a, an episode of Monster Dear Monster. This is where we do the housekeeping. So, uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus, and that will be in the notes as usual. That's pretty much it. And Cameron, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Come say hi. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is dead. You can also find me on YouTube uh, by searching Dr. Faust is dead. Hey, guess what? I'm actually probably going to be done with that video this weekend. So get Yay. excited because <laughs> I am. I'm really excited that I'm that this that my my long national nightmare has nearly come to an end. Um uh and that video is why you should play the Evil Within 2, a game that I really like. I like it so much that I spent six months working on a video telling you why you should play it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and Thank you, listeners, for joining us for a, another episode of Monster Dear Monster. We'll catch you next time when we cover something else. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet, but uh, yeah. we'll let you know in advance as usual. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that's us saying bye-bye, folks. Bye, everyone. Ciao. Arrivederci. <laughs>